Record live from the fabulous Fetter Building here in Rochester, New York. Welcome to Transformation Thursday. I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Penny Sterling, and my pronouns are she, her as well. On today's episode, we'll be talking to Liz Lilly, co-founder of the Minnesota Transgender Alliance and an IT manager at Lando Lakes about corporate acceptance. Which one's which? Pardon? Which one's the activist and which one's the corporate shill here, Penny? Uh, they're both the same person. They're both Liz? Yes. So who's Lily? She's Liz. Lily? Right. No, what's the name of our guest tonight? No, what's the name of our second baseman? I'm not asking who's on second. No, who's on first? I don't know. Third, Third base. <laughs> How long have you been waiting to work that bit into this podcast? My Penny? whole freaking life, Amy. Well, you'll have to wait for the conversation with her to begin after our traditional music swell and fade. Oh. Let's talk about change, Amy. Okay, let me see. It looks like I've got three quarters, a nickel, a Canadian loony, and a few British tenors from when I was in London, because I'm an international comedian. No, not that change. Change is in transformation. The topic of Transformation Thursday. Oh yeah, that. Well, we're doing this podcast to highlight how much things change and how quickly they do it in society today. Everything changes and change isn't good or bad, it just is. The more we realize that change is just the natural progression of things, the better off we'll be. Now, let's talk about change. Didn't we just do that? No, no, not the last one. The first one. The coins. Money. About how people can give us some of theirs so that we can continue talking about ours. Are you just trying to get people to go to our Patreon page to support this podcast so that we can continue our exploration of what it means to live in a rapidly changing world? Because although this is a labor of love we do have expenses and by going to transformationthursday.com they can help ensure that we can continue to be bringing this fun and insightful commentary on the world today plus get exclusive patrons only content um if i say yes can we get on to our next segment oh god i hope so Okay then, transformationthursday.com. Also, can you break a 20 for me? Sure, I can get that to you in euros. Okay, now you're just showing off. Welcome back to Transformation Thursday. I'm Penny Sterling and my pronouns are she, her. And I'm Amy Stevens, and my pronouns are she, her. Our guest today, like me, well, not like me, but she's a transplanted Minnesotan. We don't need to um, do the whole geography lesson. But Liz Lilly is an IT manager at Lando Lakes Incorporated, where she oversees supportive enterprise application and acts as a liaison between business units and IT support. That is a mouthful. <laughs> She's also the co-founder and co-chair of the Minnesota Transgender Alliance, a nonprofit that runs support groups in four cities, as well as doing advocacy work. She is also on the Advisory Council for the National Center for Gender Spectrum Health. Liz has a degree in chemical engineering, an MBA from the University of Minnesota, go Gophers, and the recently completed executive leadership business at Stanford graduate 
School of Business, that's a cardinal, not cardinals, cardinal, the yeah, color. Absolutely. And Liz is also a ninja-level turf botherer on social media, especially on Twitter, where she raises the wrath of those phobic faux feminists by doing such things as raising her twin daughters, having a career, being happy, and rocking the work blazer aesthetic. Liz, welcome to Transformation Thursday. Thank you for having me on. Okay, so my first uh, question is an important one. Where did you get your blazers? Uh, most of the blazers I got were either from Target or eBay. Really? They all eBay. Look... E eBay is Sorry? your favorite? eBay is your favorite? Well, when you have to replace an entire wardrobe at once, <laughs> uh, you start to see the, the cost of clothing add up very quickly. And also, very when I first transitioned, I was... I was fairly scared to go into clothing stores and try things on. Yeah. So eBay was a nice way to be able to buy things that were at a fairly good discount, especially things that started off as being very expensive. When they show up on eBay, they're not very used and they're much less expensive. That's... And also then you don't have to worry about going into dressing rooms. Yeah, well, that's a good Midwestern practicality going on right there. So now uh, you you do that a lot and you post a lot of a lot of. Uh, floor-to-ceiling selfies that look like they're in some sort of rest room. Are those in the ladies' room at Lando Lakes that you do those? They are in a restroom, definitely, and it's kind of a hate crime that they don't have better mirrors outside of restrooms. I know, really. So here's the thing. I sometimes, I don't do it with the same frequency you do because I'm always embarrassed, and, it's, and if, you know, you talk about, you know, like going into to, to dressing rooms, just, I'm okay with that, but for me, I have a very hard time taking a selfie of myself in a mirror in a, in a restroom because I'm afraid that somebody else is going to come in and see me doing that. Do you, have, do you feel that way at all? I do. I, I actually, because um, when I go in, I make sure that there's nobody, there's nobody in there. And that when I've walked in, that I can see behind me that there's nobody on their way. And then I do it really quickly. Uh, yeah, when you transition, well, first off, can you give us the, the, uh, the nickel tour of your transition? Uh, you said it was a short, awkward slog to transgender in 2015. Uh, is, is, oh. is, is, could you expand on that? I, I think you know, because um, I, I'd always had... I'd always had some notion that I was trans, but I, I didn't think that I was trans enough to be trans. Kind of a common thing among us. Mm -hmm. the, so it was, I always thought of myself as maybe trans adjacent or maybe, you know, five or 10% trans, but not really trans trans. And uh, it, was, um, it was not long before that, that I finally came to the realization that, oh shit, I really am trans. Mm. And then it was a fairly, fairly quick turn, turn around from that to transition at work. You mentioned trans adjacent. That's a new one. So can we get a clinical definition of that, please? Uh, there is not one because it doesn't exist. Oh, okay. um, <laughs> that was my, it's just my rationalization for somehow, somehow knowing I'm trans and like trying to talk myself out of being trans. So what did you consider to be transgender? What was, what was the, what was the vision in your brain, the story you were telling about being a trans person that you were not? So I think that, um, you know, growing up in the, 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 the age that we did, that the literature was not particularly well-developed like it is now, wasn't particularly available. So in my impressions of trans people were people who it was very medicalized. So people who, uh, my impression was that if you had psychological problems that were severe enough to be going to a psychiatrist and that psychiatrist found that the root of those 
were that you were trans, then you could transition. And I thought, well, I don't really meet those strict criteria. So obviously that's not me. And uh, so then the rest of it was like, well, then what the hell am I? And I remember even growing up, you know, because I had sense of this before I got to puberty. So um, when I heard terms like gay or homosexual or queer, and the way that they were described, I thought like, well, that sounds kind of like a description of me. Mm-hmm. So I thought, okay, well, maybe I'm gay. And then when I realized that I was attracted to other, when I was attracted to girls, I thought, well, that kind of throws a whole wrench into the <laughs> yeah. gay thing. So this it was kind of a relief in some ways because, you know, the time, but then I thought, I still don't know what I am. And uh, so, so, and although that gave me a lot of empathy at the time, because I, you know, growing up in that era and thinking like, eh, when I grow up, I'm going to be gay, aren't I? And people don't like gay people. And I thought like, there's nothing I could do about it. I thought like, I'm screwed. And so then one, uh, so then once I thought like, oh, you know what? I'm not gay. Uh, well, that, that I still had a lot of empathy for people who were put in that situation. I thought, why, when you hear people talking about it being like a lifestyle choice, I think, oh, God. Who, who would choose that? Yeah. Who would choose, and I thought I didn't, it, it didn't feel like I had a choice. And when I thought I was, it didn't feel like something I could change. And then once I actually felt some attraction to people, it again still was not something I felt like I would be able to change under any circumstance. So in that way, I felt like very connected with uh, the LGBTQ community early on. And it was something that um, I, didn't, I didn't feel like I had to try to hide. I also had the, the benefit of growing up and was essentially an agnostic family. So I didn't have religious ties. I didn't go to any churches that really promoted anything that was homophobic, transphobic. So as much as there were societal signs that there was something wrong about me, I couldn't figure out what people thought that was, either when I thought I was gay or when I thought I was trans. That I thought, well, what are, this is just part of who I am. It's just innate. It's built in. And there's nothing I can do about it. And it's not hurting anyone. So even as a young kid, I thought, there's nothing wrong with me. There's just something wrong with the way the society looks at me. So I never really felt shame about what I was. I just didn't want anyone to find out because I would get the crap kicked out of me if I did. Yeah, and you and I were talking beforehand. We graduated a year apart, so you know, and you, you know, hopefully this is okay. You grew up south of San Francisco, very mm-hmm. the center of queer culture, gay culture in the 1980s. But yet, did you? But did you have any gay role models? Anybody within your community, within your peers, that were gay? You know, in your high school community? No, there was no one in my high school who was out as gay at the time. And I'm not even actually sure who from my class is gay now. And now, you know, if people in, if you go to high school, if people are represented the same, the same percentages that you see in just broader society and people are much more accepted. But, um, you know, I think from people from our generation still don't feel as comfortable coming out as uh, people growing up now do. No, in my high school, you know, I grew up in White Bear Lake, Minnesota, just, you know, close to where you live. And, you know, we had a high school graduating class of, I think, 500, if memory serves mm-hmm. me right. And as far as I know, I'm still only one of three people who have come out after high school. Really? And, th- and those numbers just blew me away because just using, we should have somewhere in between 30 and 50 people 
that are LGBTQ that have come out. And yet, as far as I know, I'm one of three. So wow, I don't know mm-hmm. what's in the water in that White Bear Lake. So who knows? So where were you when you finally figured out or were was willing to admit or however you want to put it that you were transgender and that you were going to start transitioning uh what was what i was you, in my kitchen congratulations kitchen. what were you making i wasn't i was reading the computer it was on uh it was uh, december 30th at night and i was reading a someone's coming out story and um reading someone's coming out story it just finally hit me and three thoughts went through my head in quick succession one was Oh shit, I'm trans. And the second one was, yeah, yeah, I get to transition. And the third one was, oh shit, I have to transition. <laughs> one on top of each other, right? That- yeah, all within about a second's time, like rapid succession of of thoughts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how long have you been? Was there any pre-thought to that, or was it just finally a culmination of years and like, oh crap, I need to do this now? Yeah, there was a, it was, I think that um, it was a culmination, really, that there was, looking back, that I could see it was escalating in some ways. So I, before yeah, I did a lot of things that other trans people did, so, you know, experimenting with cross-dressing, which always sounded kind of fun, but I remember, like, in the last few years up and before transition, that I think, like, oh, that sounds like fun, and I do, I think, like, it's not as much fun as I thought it might be. Hmm. And I thought, like, well, why does it seem like it's going to be fun, and then it's not actually fun? And I think part of it was just that it really wasn't, I had gotten to the point where it, that really wasn't doing it. That wasn't what I was actually looking for. So it really wasn't, it really wasn't as much fun as I thought it could be just because it, it really wasn't getting to what the problem really was. And looking back, there were a lot more things that, you know, and I, I gave myself the excuse that I'm, I'm such a great ally to the, the transgender community and that's why i'm reading so many stories about that and i also thought like okay this is still part of me that's a little bit trans and so that's why i want to hear some more stories of people coming out and what their experiences were and um i seen enough uh ones that 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 really didn't appeal to me the ones the stories where where someone has transitioned and they're doing as much as they can to try to fit stereotypes i thought okay that that doesn't that, that doesn't have much appeal to me and finally having read a couple of stories where where it was people fighting for their right to exist as they really were, that finally one of those hit me. I thought, okay, this is doable. This is something that, this that's what helped frame it in a way that made it seem like it wasn't something that was going for some societal norm. It was something that actually reflected more of who I was. And that's what finally broke through and, and it got me to realize that that that's what I had been searching for. Where were you? So you were in the kitchen. Uh, were you still married at that point, or had you? Yes, I was. Mm-hmm. All right, and you still married? I had um, had a couple of um, fairly newborns at the time. Right. And um, and so yeah, my uh, wife at the time was not expecting something like that to happen. Well, who does? Well, my ex-wife. But besides uh, her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, I didn't expect it to happen either. So. Yeah, not many people do. Right. So uh, it actually kind of surprised me, though. I mean, I thought I thought I kind of took on the persona of almost like a kind of a really femme femboy before, just because I remember like when I in high school I kind of tried to hide it. When I went to college, I realized that that's when you kind of realize that people appreciate more of the differences than they do when you're in high school. In high school, they people tend to like 
conformity more than they do in college. I thought college is people do appreciate when when someone is doing something that's a little bit more unusual. And and there I realized that 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 um, acting more of myself that that a couple times people said that they had thought that when they first met me that I was gay. I thought like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and that was really because like, I, I just thought oh, that's recognizing that feminine part of me. And so that was something I actually really enjoyed and, and almost cultivated in a way. And so they're like, okay, well, if, if people have recognized that. And then also when I remember being in elementary school, you know, really before anyone knows what queer means, what fag means, what gay means, that I was the one who got called those things, mm-hmm. even though we didn't know exactly what that really meant. So I thought, all right, well, people in elementary school were able to figure it out. People think that I'm gay. It's not going to be that much of a leap for me to be trans. Right. And, but really almost no one saw it coming. Not many people were expecting it, which really was a, a pretty big surprise to me. Was your life prior to that, though, would you call it a typical male life, but you just maybe a tad effeminate? I mean, how how would you have described it? Um, I would say, like, it was a, a fairly effeminate guy. Um, I don't really know. It's hard to put that into perspective, yeah. just because, like, I uh, the things that I did that, that were more typically masculine, which weren't very many, but there were still times that I felt like I was kind of putting it on a show. I mean, like, how do I get along with, how do I get along with guys? Mm. The best way I could figure out was to just do it through humor. Right. And so, you know, that was, that was about the only way that I could really relate because like someone, people start talking about football and like, ah, oh, ew, football. And like, I knew nothing about it and I didn't care anything about it. And I wasn't, I wasn't going to try to pretend to do to do that. So I tried to, more than, more than trying to put on a mask and a figure, I just tried to find the things that, that I could relate to guys with. And humor was the, the main part of it. And I completely forgot what the question was. Oh, you're, that was fine. You, you, you're talking. You answered it. You did answer it. So congratulations. Now my, my question is uh, you were, you went to college for uh, chemical engineering. So you were in the, you were in the engineering field. Uh, That seems to be a very, uh, and it's 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 nerd masculine, but it's also a very masculine field. Uh, what was it like uh, trying to be an engineer or being an engineer in uh, in, a, in a field of male engineers? Uh, so one of the one of the reasons I went into chemical engineering was because uh, that there was a, a higher percentage of women in that than there were in some of the other ones. So things like mechanical engineering or electrical engineering, electrical engineering was something like ninety eight percent guys. Whereas chemical engineering was uh, about a third women, so it wasn't wasn't too bad. Um, that was that was one of the key ones I went into, and and really the reason I went into it, I really didn't put much thought into it. I didn't even know what chemical engineering exactly was when I started. But when I went to college, I I was um, I started off without a major, and I thought like, well, I'll find something and fall into something, and really I dropped out because uh, because of um, undiagnosed um, dysphoria and depression and just listlessness, um, nihilism, mm-hmm. just really not having any real reason to go on. It wasn't, it wasn't so much like um, depression where a more, it wasn't a more obvious type of depression. It was more just uh, not knowing what anything was really supposed to be or where I was supposed to be going or what the point of anything was. 
So it wasn't so much an act of dislike of, say, myself or my life, so much as a listlessness. And um, so I dropped out a couple of times. And when you drop out in the middle of a semester and don't actually formally drop out, <laughs> you tend to get a bunch of Fs and incompletes. Wow. And that, that's a, that really doesn't help your GPA. And I thought, well, what, what is it that would keep me in school? And I thought, like, all right, well, the times that I've done okay in school were the, when I was doing the most stuff, the most difficult thing. So I just asked what, what was considered to be the most difficult major on campus. And they said chemical engineering. So I went into it. Wow. What I didn't realize is that most of the jobs in chemical engineering are either in Texas or in rural parts of the Midwest. Hmm. So I didn't think that part of it through when I went into it because that's really not the type of environment I wanted to go into as a trans chick. Yeah. So you got a you were you worked for a vitamin E manufacturing company? Yeah, it was actually like a large uh, was the company was Cargill and it was a large um, large Midwestern company. is also based out of Minnesota. Uh, they do lots of things in grain processing and transportation. And it was went into uh, corn milling where we the biggest product was high fructose corn syrup. And a, a quick fact about high fructose corn syrup is that people in the high fructose corn syrup industry call it fructose rather than fructose. <laughs> and that's stuck with me since then. Wow. But yeah, moved moved into a place that um, was making vitamin E. And that was also a similar situation where for uh, three years, it was pretty intense work because we were rebuilding a plant that didn't work. And it was a very complex process. And um, so for three years, I was able to distract myself with this, uh, with this complexity. And the nice thing, though, as much as I didn't really like living in rural Iowa and working in a factory, uh, it was the place where everyone called each other by their last name. So for three magnificent years, everyone called me Lily. Mm. Ah, that's great. Yep. So, so rural Iowa and Cargill has some stuff in Nebraska too, if I remember right, you know, maybe afterwards I'm, I'm going to run something by you because I think my cousin worked for Cargill and years seem to be lining up here. So this might be a very small world after all. So, um, but you start coming out and, you know, what's that experience like? You have twins, you're working and, you mm -hmm. know, so how does this play out? So the, um, at first, because, um, so Lana Lakes is a agricultural co-op and so it's owned by farmers. Uh, the, the, the main divisions were an agronomy division, the dairy division, which everyone knows that makes butter and a division that makes feed. And I did most of the work within the feed division. So, uh, they had acquired Purina Mills, and so Purina Mills was um, was their feed division. Looking at it from there, thinking that this is, um, it, it didn't seem like a necessarily a good place to come out. Yeah. Because of those things. Right. And I remember because, and that was I'd been working there for several years, and and I thought, well, just formed by the things I knew that I thought, if I transition here, people aren't going to take me seriously. That was my main worry. It wasn't so much that I was going to get fired or anything like that. It was really more that people weren't going to take me seriously. And I was walking into work, and and, and it was obviously, you know, around June. And in this, these displays that they had by the doors, they had the rotating slides through, going through on these displays, there were these ones for Pride Month. And I remember my jaw dropped. I had no idea. Hmm. There were people who were out at work. that had no idea that they had created an ERG. And it turns out they, that someone had figured out that we were doing poorly on the human rights campaign 
uh, uh, corporate quality corporate index, quality, yes. That we were, you know, that we hadn't filled one out, and that if we did, we were going to score, we were going to score very poorly. So someone made a concerted effort with other people to raise us on that. So by the time we first applied to it, we'd gotten a hundred on it, and which meant that we were going to have insurance covered for trans people, and and that we had policies in place. And I had no idea any of that had happened. I had no idea the culture in the company had changed enough that something like that could even happen. Wow. So I thought like, oh, I might actually be able to stay here. So the, but the people that are making that change, if you're in rural Iowa and I've, I mean, it's Washington, Iowa, right? I know there's a big operation in Washington and central Iowa there outside of Des Moines. I mean, that's, that's a big difference from corporate headquarters for Cargill in Minneapolis. So I mean, well, yeah. So at this point, I was working at I, I was working at corporate in Land O'Lakes. So I'm in the main office. Okay. And mm-hmm, so it's it's in some ways it's it is somewhat of a bubble. We realize that that we can we can get away with a lot more stuff than people who are working in say a feed plant in in some town somewhere, hmm. or who are visiting farms or are um, someone else who's in a remote location. We know that, that that those places are still going to be as much as as much as you set up policies to do things, that culture overrides policies most of the time, right. and that not everyone has as so much freedom as the people who are in corporate do. Yeah. So how did you do it? How did you 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 saw the pride information and that gave you the courage to uh, come out? How many other transgender uh, people were in Lando Lakes at that time? Zero. Ah, absolutely zero. So you were very zero. So you are very nearly one hundred percent of them. Are you still one hundred percent of the trans people? Or right now, I am fifty percent of the trans people. Oh, congratulations! That's a big growth. Fifty percent of the out trans people, I should say, because um, if, at least out trans people that we know of. Right. We there's ten thousand people work for the company, and we're still a little bit dismayed that there's only two out trans people. We know there's more trans people. We just don't know if they're out if they haven't come out yet. Why they haven't? Yeah. So, is that one of the reasons why you founded or co-founded the Minnesota Transgender Alliance? No, um, I felt that the the company itself was pretty well represented. Uh, the, that came about when going to group therapy, where um, I had come, where I'd been going for uh, for psychological stuff. Mm-hmm. That um, that the clinic I went to had regular therapy and they had group therapy and they recommended that I go to group therapy to meet more trans people. And um, one of the things that we thought is that the people who are running the group therapy had said suggested that we have a topic for uh, talking about things, but we never got around to the we never actually got around to the topic. So say so like, hey, we should talk about maybe dating as a trans person. And then the next time we come there, we just wouldn't have time for it. And we put it off again and again. Hmm. And it was something that we still wanted to pursue. So a few of us who had gone through that decided to, since we couldn't get it within there, just start our own external group to do it. And uh, so we thought we'll make a group that's topic-based because there's also, there's there were already existing support groups for trans people in Minneapolis. And we didn't feel like we had to compete with them. We didn't have to try to redo what they were already doing well. We wanted to bring something that was new to it. And that's why we created um, a group that was focused on just talking about topics. 
And that was the genesis of the Minnesota group then, the Transgender Alliance? That's right. And now how big has that organization become? You said there's three other cities that you reach out to there in Minnesota? Right. We're currently in four cities. We have one that's an hiatus, and if we're we're going to probably bring that one back online, so we'll be up to five different locations. What cities are Each there? One, oh, um, Minneapolis, St. Paul, Anoka, and uh, Mankato is uh, one of the areas of ones that we're going to try to bring back on. So all of those except for Mankato are, you know, twin cities right in the seven-county metropolitan area. So mm-hmm. any talk... You know, is there any need beyond that? Let's say Saint, Duluth. Yeah, St. Cloud, Duluth, that those areas. Yeah, in fact, actually, we do have one in St. Cloud too. Um, so we have one in St. Cloud. We don't have one in Duluth. Uh, we do the uh, the trouble with the trouble with um, expanding out to those areas is that um, is that because we're not in those areas yet. It's hard to identify someone who could run one of those groups because we want to make sure that um, that someone who wants to take one over has the, the motivation to do it and to be able to keep it up because even as much as that we've turned it into something that that someone could pick up pretty easily because they don't have to figure out how to do the tax stuff they don't have to figure out how to, to create a website for it they don't have to figure out how to get logos and such because we have all that available they can just they can just glow onto what we have but we still need to find somebody who can go week after week and um, make sure to get there early set things up uh, have a backup that's available. Uh, be able to come up with topics to talk about, be able to keep a conversation going. And those are things that um, that are somewhat uh, difficult to identify in people. Sometimes we have people who reach out to us to ask to do it, but um, but we know that um, the it's is easiest to set up in the places where it's least needed. Yeah, like Minneapolis. Yeah, I was... so we do want to get out to more places, but yeah, the um, just the the infrastructure, the the time. Fighting people; those are the parts that have been the um, kept us from expanding more than we have. Okay, so let's let's get back to your. So you you I'm assuming divorced your your first wife after you came out. Are you dating? Are you having a hard time finding? Uh, are you doing anything like that? Um, I am. I am dating. I don't. No, I wouldn't say I'm having much of a hard time with that. Um, you know, I think that there's a pretty big divide between the difficulty that that straight trans people have versus the gay ones. And just because of I've, dating women, it seems to be less of an issue yeah. um, than, than for dating men. Right. And so that has not been an issue for me. Yeah. And you, you, you like, uh, at least on Twitter, you, you call yourself super gay sometimes and you're just, <laughs> you're just very, very out about it. And, uh, and, and I, and I love to watch you do that. And I love to watch you, you know, bat around the turfs when you do that. It it, it looks like fun. I don't, I, I can't do that, but uh, you seem to have a great time with it. I, you know, I used to do it more than I do now. I, for some reason, the turfs are leaving me alone. I think I got on some, some uh, trans list, some <laughs> trans block list and a bunch of turfs blocked me, which has actually been kind of nice. I, I've, I've had a little bit less of an emphasis on, on battling turfs than I used to. I used to try to go after them and but it never seemed to really go anywhere. And I realized that realized that I had more of an effect talking to us than I did to talking to other people. So uh, I've... Yeah, it's because I've noticed also with TERFs, the only people that don't like to be called TERFs in, that, in our world are actual TERFs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just in case anybody out there doesn't know what it is, it stands for Transgender Exclusionary Radical Feminist. 
I don't like that term because I don't think there's anything feminist about what they're doing, and it's not really mm-hmm. radical. It's reactionary. So mm-hmm. I don't I don't like that at all. Um, and I usually call them feminism appropriating radical transphobes, which is a little bit different uh, an acronym. But uh, that's just me. But you 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 do that. What do you think is uh, where do you see yourself going with uh, your transgender activism? I know you're into some you're you're doing some international, but some national organizations. Uh, yeah, I think that um, that that having uh, having some some organizational experience, having some uh, experience within both within business and having started a nonprofit, uh, means that that I'm now being asked to help more in the background with other types of things. I don't really have much of a plan for what I will try to do with this more because um, what we've done with the group has been. It's turned out to be bigger than we were really aiming for. So, in in ways, it feels like we've since we've accomplished more than we had really set out to do. That now I don't really feel like I've got straight goals anymore. Um, I do want to help where I can, and uh, I don't really have really much of a plan for where we go from here, other than maybe. Finding other places that we can expand to, and um, and taking it in whatever the, the next directions find me. So you you have a lot going on, but back to the personal life there. So how is it raising your kids? I mean, I would imagine if they're like mine, you're just a parent. I am just a parent, and they were two years old when I transitioned. So really, transitioning was not a big deal to them because. They hadn't really even started using gender terms much. They said mommy and daddy at the time, but they weren't like as in maybe it was a year later that they started saying this person's a boy and that person's a girl. And it wasn't something that they were doing at the time. So I had a sense that this was not going to be a big deal for me to transition. And it wasn't. And my ex and I decided that we would be completely honest with them about any questions they had. We didn't, we didn't want to cover anything up. But we also didn't want to make a big deal of it. Right. We just wanted to make it seem like it was just a normal thing for people to do. And so their their impressions of what I what I am has changed over time. So at first they just thought like, oh, now there's mommy and mommy Liz instead of mommy and daddy. And interestingly, we we decided that they would have we would have them call me mommy Liz. And so we just started doing it in front of them. And it took them it only took them a week to switch from one to the other. Nice. Where did you get Liz from? Your your name. Where did that come from? Oh, I I there there really isn't a place it came from. I just sat for a few minutes and started thinking of names. And I thought I would just do I would just uh, compare some names and take whichever the top one was and compare that to other ones. And whichever one stayed on top, I would do comparisons with. After and Liz quickly came off and thought like, "Ooh, I like that one." And then thought of other names and. None of them were ones that were superseding it. And after about five minutes, I got bored of th- thinking of alternatives. So I thought, I think that'll work. So are you a Liz or are you an Elizabeth and Liz is just your nickname? Uh, I actually changed it legally to Elizabeth. So Liz is my nickname. I have a story about that. Go ahead. Which is I, um, when I went through the legal, legal name change, I filled out the paperwork and submitted the courthouse, got a date for, got a date for um, a uh, hearing, had it changed. And um, the next day, I'm, the next day I think I'm at work and I'm filling out a form 
And one of the, one of the name change forms that uh, one of the myriad name change forms that you have to that, that you have to do when you change your name. And I do not recommend changing your name because of the amount of work that goes into it. Oh my God! Hmm. But um, but I was filling one out, and it was only then that I realized that I had no idea up until that point that there's two common ways to spell Elizabeth. Ooh. One with an S and one with a Z. And I'm sitting there realizing. I don't know which one I wrote on the form. <laughs> I don't know what my name, how my name is spelled. Now that this is a really, really strange position. I and mean, I didn't have a copy of the court order with me. So for several hours, I was at work and didn't know how my name was spelled. Wow. So how did it turn out? Uh, it was spelled with a Z, the more common yeah. one. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have a. You, the only thing I would say about the name changing is I'm I'm trying to get my name changed right now. I am just so tired of every single thing that I that I have being being dead named. Uh, mm -hmm. it, is, it is so like I am also. I just got approved for uh, for for some top surgery, and I'm really excited oh, yeah. about that. It took it took an awful long time to get it going, and all of a sudden it just happened really quick. And the guy who called me to give me the news was like, you know, he first off he uses my you know my my dead name or as I call it my assumed name because people just assume that's my what my name was. Um, and, and they're, they're like, you know, is this? And I go, yeah, but if you could like not call me that because I'm transgender and please call me this. And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. <sighs> and I'm saying, well, and I said, well, can you, can you tell me why you're, well, what are you calling me about? And he goes, I'm calling you about the insurance, sir. And about the fact that your top surgery has been approved, sir. And I'm like, do you see what this surgery is for, pal? Uh, you know, it's like, do you, do you get why you shouldn't be calling me, sir, my dude? It's like, it was like, it was so ridiculous. He wasn't doing it meanly. He just was rattled by it. And so, mm -hmm. but it still hurts. It still bothers mm -hmm. me. Mm -hmm. So, oh, and that's just part of, that's just an issue with our whole healthcare system because they're just reading because your, your medical insurance follows your social security card. So he, this guy at the screen, but, and that's a hard thing. They have this idea in their head. And even when you try to explain something to them, they can't flip and it's just, it hurts. And, and yeah, yeah, it's, but it's our whole healthcare system is just set up for not to be helpful to us. So, but uh, I mean, yeah. get off my soapbox. That, that's Thank a, you. That's bye. a nice tangent that you just got off on, but you're, but you're absolutely correct about it. And I don't think any of this is really well suited for 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 change. Like you said, you don't recommend the name change and the all of that stuff. My I'm, one of the things that's holding me up is that I don't have my birth certificate, uh, and so I had to do a request for a, a birth certificate, and it's in it's like on the other side of the state. Um, and you could, they, I, I put all the information in and then they said, we need to know what your mother's name is. And I said, it is. And I gave them my mother's name the way I knew it growing up. And they said, well, that's not what she put down. And so well, there's a problem with the middle name. Well, her middle name is Louise, but that's, that's not what it is. What that's not, can you ask somebody, uh, who was there? I was like, I'm 60 years old. The only person still alive from that is me. And I don't really, I was kind of distracted at the point. So now I've got to, now I've got to guess what my mom put down. And if I guess wrong, then I'm out of the money. I got to go and do it again. So it's just like, it's like a really bad game of jackpot. Can't you just get a copy of the one that's on file? No, that's what I'm trying to do. They won't give it to me until you give them, they prove them what it is. So catch 22.
Well, that is kind of catch twenty two, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. So I asked my brother about it. He goes, "Well, no, I just he lost his too. I, we don't know what my mom did with him. He lost his too, but he got his replaced like in the nineteen eighties when there was much less strict, apparently. And so it's not. And, and what is what is on his official birth certificate now doesn't have any of that information. So I just got to flip a coin and try and guess what my mom's middle name is. Jeez. Isn't that wow. fun? Isn't that fun? That that does sound like fun. Uh, not unless they change the meaning of the word, really. But yeah, you're right. So that yeah, these are all really, really bizarre things that I think only a very small number of people have. Um, mm-hmm. And we always get all these really weird questions. Uh, what are some of the questions that you have? The, uh, the some of the odd questions that you get. Oh, the odd questions I get. Yeah, um, we should play uh, like a game. Yeah, the odd question game. Oh my gosh, yes. Do you, it sounds like you've got an answer for one. I want to hear. Where, your... Where's some of the Mine. Uh, well, the ones I always I... get is well, one of the ones that I that I the worst one that I ever had. The, I don't know if it was a common one, but it was one that bothered me the most is when I was talking with an older gay man, who mm-hmm. who said to me, "You're very masculine. Why don't you just be a gay man? You can have more sex that way." That's the worst question that I. <laughs> I wish that we had oh, a video well. chat because the look on your face is is priceless. But yeah, that was that oh was, was, was kind of like the look that I had. That was absolutely the worst. Most of when I get it, like, have you had the surgery yet? And I'm like, mm-hmm. like I mean, appendicitis, my, my appendectomy. Yeah, I had that. No yeah. wisdom teeth. I wisdom that, teeth. I thought that was the surgery. Yeah. Well, have you had that surgery yet, Liz? <laughs> no, but I, I do. One one of the questions that um, one of the ways that I try to distract from people when they ask, like, it's like, so have you had the surgery? Is asking, it's just pretending like I have no idea what they're talking about. I was like, well, what surgery? <laughs> and then that always throws them and they don't have no idea what to say. And I mean, they just, people get so uncomfortable when you do that, that I can usually only let them dangle for a few seconds before I was like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I'm kidding. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that, that does throw them. I think um, the, the, uh, uh, one, of the, one of the weirdest ones are actually pretty mundane ones. Like um, one was, well, what do you do about leg hair? <laughs> Shave it. Shave. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that, that you know, like I mean, there, there, there's actually interesting questions in there. Things like, like, what about the rest of your body hair? Like, because there he's like, oh yeah, like the, those actually went by and large away with hormones. Yeah. Or something like that. Me but too. leg hair is like, gosh. No, mine. I never really had a lot, and so I never really had that problem. So my, one I got recently was from a coworker, a new coworker, because I started a new job. What is your? What was your old name? Mm. How would you answer that one? Oh, I did get asked that one, and it really surprised me. Um, and I, that because I wasn't expecting it, I actually told her and thought, like, "Well, hopefully at this point, because I don't have as I don't have a, a really oppositional feeling towards my old name. It just doesn't really suit me very well. And yeah. sometimes when it comes up, where I'm not expecting it. It's kind of weird and awkward. But uh, but I don't do but. But by and large, what, I, what I'm better about that now is, is saying like, well, it does it really tell you anything about me knowing what it was? I mean, it could be could be John, it could be Pete, it could be Albert. It, but but what does it matter? It's just just pick a random name and associate it with me. And <laughs> it does. It and, and really none of those the differences make any of those names. It doesn't really change anything about who I am. The authentic you that they're yeah. talking to. Well, my answer to her was. I said, I don't want to share it with you because I'm like you. I don't have this huge negative attachment to it. But I said, as soon as I tell you it, the likelihood of you using it or misgendering me increases dramatically. So yes. I don't even want to go there with you. And she was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. 
Yeah, that's a good one. I told somebody, um, there's someone I knew, there's a trans person I knew for a couple of years, and she finally said, like, yeah, I never knew what your dead name was. And so, a like, trans person? do you really want a trans person? And I said, do you really want us? She said, yeah, kind of. So I told her, and almost immediately after, she misgenders me. Oh, and the first for the first time ever. No. And you're right. So I mean, it just it just has that effect. Yeah. So that's that's I mean that's a pretty good reason not to share it. I mean, even if you don't really want to yourself, it it does time change people. And you've probably noticed too that um, I notice the difference between how people, especially how women relate to me, if they don't know I'm trans. Now that you can only tell that after if they tell you that they didn't know. If they find out and they tell you they didn't realize that you were, they don't notice that you're trans. That's one thing. If they know you are, but they didn't know you before, then they act a little bit differently. If they knew you pre-transition, they, they, they act much differently. And sometimes just knowing that name, you can see you can see yourself move along that continuum. I'm dealing with that right now because I'm a volunteer firefighter and I've been there for seven years. So I've transitioned while I've been at the fire department. And there are definitely people that are newer in the department that only know me as Amy that treat me one way and then a lot of the people that have known me for years treat me differently. And there's a whole group of ladies, you know, at the fire department, mostly wives of other or significant others who don't talk to me at all now. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's, yeah, there's, oh, but of course the surgery questions. So. Oh gosh. Yeah. I'm really tired. There, there's such boring questions, you know, and, and, and so many of them are like, would you talk to anybody else this way? Is there anybody else you would ask about their genitalia? Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, I think that I think one of the things that's kind of driven that is that is that this popular conception of what we are has been so linked to surgery over time right. that I think that when sometimes when people find out you're trans or if you tell someone you're trans, what they're hearing is I had the surgery, and so then that's what they feel like they can ask you about because to them those things are so linked. Right. That's what you've told them, right? And that you're only transgender if you've had the surgery. Right. right, or that it's a natural part of it. That is, it's an it's an obvious part of it. It's a natural part of it, or an inevitable part of it. Yeah, the, the, I, and the other one that I that I'm seeing a lot. I don't. I don't. It's never never happened to me. But the the people who uh, associate being transgender with um, uh, child um, pedophilia. Pedophilia. Yeah. Oh, I've had that one. Oh, really? Yeah. There's somebody, mm. lady, who we used to go. Well, she moved, but. A Mormon lady told my ex-wife that I shouldn't be trusted around the children anymore because I'm transgender and I have this high sex drive. And wow. I'm like, oh my God. I'm like, no, actually it's quite the opposite now, but thank right. you. Yeah. That, that, that's sort mm -hmm. of or even like there was, it was that, that Menlo Park church incident where the, the, the pastor of this mega church, uh, one of his, one of the people that we was working like a, a volunteer admitted to him that he was sexually attracted to children. And he was the guy who was doing a lot of youth work with, with, with kids. And this pastor was like, yeah, well, you know, just like, you know, go ahead and keep doing what you're doing. And cause maybe it'll help work through it. Like this is the worst possible thing you could say. Uh, and then got in touch with the pastor's uh, son who is transgender because his son also writes an, uh, an, an advice column for slate. And, uh, and so like the son contacts the dad and the dad and then says like, what the fuck, dad? This is like, a, you know, this is really not what you should be saying. And the father says to his son, well, you have nothing to say about this because you're transgender. Yeah. 
as if being transgender means that he's going to be some sort of that was so his father was thinking my 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 son who was like obviously is more of a of more of a threat to children than some guy who's saying i am sexually attracted to children oh my gosh yeah that's that's our world yeah, yeah, I'll, yeah i'll send yeah. you that link after we're off the air but it's really crazy yeah that's yeah that's that's kind of amazing yeah it really is no but i my favorite still is Hey, Amy, you have a new girlfriend. Yeah, what is she? Human. Yeah, oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's right. Uh, lucky I've you. Avoided, I've avoided the awkward questions about, like, so, like, how does it all, you know, work? And about, like, you know, people having questions about the sexual side of things. Like, no one's asked me that. Oh, that, which was, is his, very... that was his follow-up question. Oh, God. I'm, I'm like, um, how do you have sex with your wife? He's like, that's kind of private. I'm like, ditto. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Liz, Lily, it has been a lot of fun chatting. Every time I chat with you, it is great. I'm trying to get to, back to Minnesota this summer, and maybe we can uh, go ahead. You should. Yeah, and then we should have some more of those, what, fried cheese curds? Mm, is that what it was? Fair. State Fair. State Fair. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm, yes. My, yes. Arteries, my arteries are hardening just thinking about it. Um, <laughs> But thank you so much for spending time of, with just us. Just thinking of the butter statue right oh now. Oh my! Oh, deep fried butter on a stick. That's that's Minnesota. <laughs> if you have if, no, if, the if, butter statue of the was it the Queen of the Merry Way or whatever. Whatever. I, I don't know what you Minnesotans do with butter, and I really don't want to. Okay, I, it's like it's not yeah, my. Yeah, it's, it's private. <laughs> it is private. It's just like our surgeries. That's right. What do you, yes, yes. Liz Lee, it's always a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck for everything you're doing in the future. Well, thank you for having me on. We enjoyed having you. And we'll be right back with the wrap up with our final thoughts right after this. This is Transformation Thursday. To financially support Transformation Thursday, go to transformationthursday.com and that will bring you to our Patreon page. Once there, click on the Become a Patron button. You can also follow us online on Facebook. You can follow us by searching for Transformation Thursday Podcast. And please join our private Facebook group by searching Transformation Thursday on Facebook. On Twitter and Instagram, you can follow us at TransThursPod. To make sure you stay up to date with all the latest episodes, please subscribe to the Transformation Thursday Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google podcast or wherever you get your podcasts on apple Podcasts, please leave us a five-star rating and a short review it's free and it does help get transformation thursday out to a larger audience finally transformation thursday is copyrighted material all rights reserved 2020 welcome back to transformation thursday i'm amy stevens and my pronouns are she her and wow penny thank you so much for getting liz scheduled we've been talking about having her on for a while and that's just another hit him out of the park yeah. type of grand slam type of touchdown type of soccer yeah. goal. Yeah, she, she, yes, because she loves sports so yeah, much. Yeah, I had to it's work like, in every, every single thing. Yes, this is you're, you're the workout lady in the put bunch. Put the so. biscuit in the basket. Yeah, that's right. Top shelf where mama hides the <laughs> cookies. And she is mama. That's the great thing about her. And we were talking, we were talking about that. That's That was an interesting takeaway that you have about this. Yeah, we didn't spend much time on on this but maybe it's because it's a personal top of mind awareness thing for me that's uh, top of mind awareness that's a b-school term so there you go i'm throwing on some jargon for you folks tonight <laughs> yeah get back to the point oh back to the point but the point being is that you know for liz's kids they're just going they have their parent and and at the age where they are at now 
that's all that really matters right. is that they have their parent. And I, and this is going to be, this transition is going to be such a non-issue for their kids. And if you're paying attention to the interview, Liz said at the age of two, it wasn't until about three years old that they really started identifying people by sex right. or gender, however you want to term that. My personal experience with this is as kids get older, it gets harder for them to accept the transition of their transgender parent. My case is I came out to my kids as transgender when they were 10 and 18. The 18-year-old has by far and away had a much harder time than the 10-year-old. And from what we've spoken with, with people that are familiar with this process, there's something with puberty that kind of locks in that expectation of gender roles for children. So do if you're if you're thinking out there like I'm going to transition after my kids grow up, that is the wrong answer. You need to do this sooner than later, not only for your own health, but also for that of your of your kids. Yeah, that's guess, my opinion. Yeah, yeah. I guess I, I was sitting here thinking about my like the 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 age spectrum with which of our kids when we transitioned. Uh, uh, Liz's, they were two. Yours were uh, were ten, ten and, and ten and eighteen. Ten and seventeen. Ten and seventeen. Uh, my youngest was seventeen when I transitioned, and um, my three oldest were like okay, and, and I don't know why, but they were like my my oldest was a is a police officer, and I was I was really scared about how he would relate, but he asked me three questions: Are you? Uh, can I still call you dad? I said, yes. Uh, are you still going to take care of my, my brothers and my sister? And I said, yes. And the third one was, can we go to the comic book store now? Those are, those are perfect questions. Those are great questions. And, and my, and, and my, my middle, my, my second oldest son was fine. And Fred, uh, my youngest, you know, he's an actor. And so he's got around a lot of actor people. So, uh, but he was absolutely fine. And even my daughter, uh, her issue with me was not as much me, but at the potential relationship that she would have with her friends because she was going to a Catholic school, uh, an well, all girl Catholic school. And she our, was, yeah, they, our, our girls went to the, yeah, yeah. We, they both and years was, apart, but they yeah. graduated from the same school. Yeah, well, actually she, our girls met each other at that yes, Catholic they school. Did. They did we put that together once. We, that's right. When we went to a, went to a comedy show, but yeah, but she as soon as she got out, as soon as she got out of high school, she was fine with it. And you know, she's a, a staunch defender of, of, uh, transgender, and, and LBGTQ people herself. So that's that's really cool. Well, an interesting thing is, you know, my daughter is at Staunch Defender as well. And she, both of our daughters go to school in Western Pennsylvania for college as well. So it's Northwestern like, and Southwestern. Yeah, but, well, opposite corners. But yeah. But, yeah, but but one of the things that my daughter, my daughter just loves throwing out like in classes or random places. Oh yeah. My dad's transgender and she's pretty awesome. So, you know, nice. so, and it just, she, she loves getting the responses from these, you know, rural people from Western Pennsylvania that have never had exposure to transgender people. And what she finds is that even though they might not be direct, directly interacting with a transgender person, mm -hmm. but she's able to put a face to the transgender experience and right. she's out there changing hearts and minds. Right. I have no idea. All of my daughter's friends are like way cool. So, um, same with mine. Yeah. So I don't really, I, she, she talks about like, there's a whole bunch of, you know, like privileged white dude stuff that's happening on there, but she doesn't really, you know, like she does her best to fight it. My takeaway was much simpler. I just love the, the matter of factness with which uh, Liz 
approached her her gender, uh, the, the way she changed her her, her gender transition is like, oh, that's what I am. So I'm transitioning. And like all the lies that she had been telling herself, all the preconceived notions, as soon as she got past them, she was like, all right, it's business as usual. Let's just move on. And I just, I, I just love her for that. I think she's really a, a very cool and a down to earth uh, uh, and a great role model for, uh, for trans people in business, I think. Yeah. And what she's doing there, you know, within her organization and also broader with setting up, you know, the Minnesota transgender Alliance, was it? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. We'll make sure I have the name right. You know, that's, that's something that not only could be, you know, copy and pasted within Minnesota, but that's also something that has the potential to have legs to go national as well. So. Shaved legs, as a matter of fact. Shaved it has that's shaved right. legs to go national. Shaved legs to go forward. We got to shave our legs, ladies. And that's uh, if you want to oh, go. That is just such a that I. But but even that is a gender construct. I know it is, and there are a lot of women who don't shave have, their legs. I have I have a friend. She doesn't shave her armpits. Ooh. And. The, then she posts pictures of like the messages she gets on Tinder from guys who are like, oh, I would date you, but you have to shave your armpits. And yeah. I'm like, really? If the armpit is what you're really focused on, yeah. that's the wrong part of the body to be worried about. Worry about the person's brain, what they're right. actually like, what they are as a human being, not what she has underneath her armpits. To me, it's just insanity. Right. And if you are in the Minnesota area and you want to get in touch with her, you can go to Minnesota Transgender Alliance dot com uh, to talk to her just uh, find Liz Lilly on the uh, on, on the Twitter uh, she's very she's very vocal she's very active and she's an amazing human being but that's it for this week's version of Transformation Thursday Amy thank you so much for being here thank you for letting me be a little bit late and um, I hope you have a great week I think you'll I think I'll have a great week you have a great week too Penny good night everybody good night good night